Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host Steve Jorgensen connects with a writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome host Steve Jorgensen and this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. The title of the book, Trailing Sky Six Feathers, One Man's Journey with His Muse, and the author is Ian Prattis, and Ian joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Ian. Hello. Great Thank to- you for having me on your show. Well, this is uh, quite a special journey. We're gonna, it's a special love story. It's an exciting adventure. It's also the past meeting the present, or the present meeting the past. Uh, we'll get into the details of, of what that really means and, and your experiences from the past to the present. You say it's like Indiana Jones meets the Buddha on a Celestine journey to reverse four centuries of karma. Well, that's an interesting thought. That's very deep to think about four centuries of karma. So tell us what that means to you. Well, what it means to me is that this particular kind of love story over four centuries, which I resisted, I resisted uh, remembering the details. I've got a logical, intellectual, academic mind. And that had to be broken down so that I could trust intuition, trust the experience I was receiving from four First Nation sages who basically tutored me over about 30 years so that I would, I would open up. And it was a past life in the 18th century colliding with a present life, um, mine in this century. And I, I'll be very honest, uh, I was very skeptical. I resisted it until the dots were connecting too tightly and uh, my mind couldn't um, sweep it away. So this past life in the 18th century in uh, Arizona, tell us about who you were there. Um, the, the two, there are two main characters in the book. There's a training size Six Feathers. Um, when the reader encounters her in the book, they come across a powerful, relentless woman who transforms my life in reality in the 21st century. But in the 18th century, um, I was married to her, and my name there was Eagle Speaker. And he was my transformation vehicle. And when he died, cradled in her arms in a medicine wheel in 1777, as he takes his last breath, Trailing Sky leans over and whispers very quietly, I will find you, my husband. I will find you. And she did, 231 years later. And uh, I resisted the process of remembering this past life until it was obvious that um, I, I, I couldn't resist anymore. It's as simple as that. So are you with her today? Well, she she integrated with me. So, you know, she 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 and I are kind of a one. Mm-hmm. Um that 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 was the connection. It wasn't for me to to sort of, you know, have a nice romance with with a lady who reincarnated into the 21st century. Her energy directly 
entered um, my being, and it enlarged my capacity to be human, to be compassionate, and to be discerning about what was taking place on our planet. Because the 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 point I, I make with with the book is to illuminate issues that impact uh, our the human race for generations. And the book follows my spiritual journey as I travel across the globe throughout the course of two lifetimes. Um, and it's looking at today, you know, the, the darkness of climate change, ecosystem and financial collapse, terrorism, anarchy, and all the rest of it. Uh, my response to that is to awaken spiritually. Because when you awaken spiritually, you can change your mind, and then you can act differently. Because the only thing we can control is our mind. Um, so we can either be eaten up by the abyss we're all staring into, or we can choose to awaken spiritually. And here, it seems everyone's waiting for someone else to step up. We're waiting for a Mandela a Gandhi or Martin Luther King, but they're gone. So it's it's up to it's up to you. It's up to me to step up and awaken spiritually, and that's what my book Trailing Sky Six Feathers is basically all about. Although I was very slow over four centuries to accept what I've just said to you. So this process of remembering. Obviously, you have your critics about a person talking about his past life. But yes. this is, but this to you is just as real as what, just as real as you and I talking right now. Absolutely. Um, although I, I did not used to think that way. Um, I was very fortunate to have um, mentors, um, Native American mentors, uh, steeped in shamanism, and my main mentor was a medicine woman called White Eagle Woman who lives on a reserve in Sault Ste. Marie, or she used to. She has passed away now. I met her, must be about 40 years ago, at an elders gathering, and she called me over, and she looked me right in the eyes, and she said, I don't like you at all. Oh, <laughs> Which was quite an introduction. <laughs> yes. But then she said, I've been instructed by my ancestors to train you. And mm. she did. And what she trained me mostly to do was to let go of the strict logic and intellect, which was my forte as a professor, and be open to the intuition, the dream visions, and the, the ceremonies, shamanic ceremonies that she instructed me in. And I was very fortunate to not only have her as a mentor, but I also had three other mentors, which are all described in the book, who assisted me to link the dots, um, and to drop my own skepticism. Yeah, some would call you a schizophrenic. <laughs> I'm very, very sane. <laughs> I'm probably the sanest person you would ever meet. Um, <laughs> so you've got you training. Know, you've had training through Native Americans. You've also had training in India. That's right. I, I was uh, recognized as a guru in India, and I was I trained in that tradition. Um, and I, I, there I had incredible teachers and wonderful guidance. So, you know, I'm, I'm well trained in, in different traditions. Um, so I slowly came to, to change my mind, to open it 
to other possibilities, but otherwise I would not have. So the problems that we face today on the earth, you've mentioned a few, and they are very overwhelming. Uh, most people don't even want to talk about them. That's right, and, and, and the thing is, the, that's, we have so much distraction with all the distraction right. technologies, right. we don't want to talk about it. Um, but in a sense, we have to look at it in a different way. If we can awaken spiritually, we can change our minds. And all that's happened with climate change, most of which is man-made, we simply change our minds and act differently. It's as simple as that. But to awaken spiritually, it takes discipline, it takes time, it takes a, an openness. Um, and people in society at the moment prefer not to really speculate or study deeply what is taking place on the planet at the moment. Um, they'd rather not think about it at all. So we're staring into the abyss. Mm -hmm. Now, rather than stare into the abyss, what I say is awaken spiritually, because so that transforms everything. So your book gives us this love story, this adventure, but at the same time, uh, this journey shows us how to awaken spiritually? Yes, yeah, the, the, the steps to take, and how there's also a part of the book which looks at uh, the the activism that I'm concerned with in terms of planetary care. And this all really occurred because of the impact from, from the past life. This is pushing me into this area. So, Well, not only claiming that you had a past life, you've also had some very solitary moments in your life where you, I guess you have, uh, you know, had that experience where you could really search your soul. Yes, that is that is true. You know, I, I spent time in India. I've also spent time in the Canadian wilderness. Um, I had exceptional guidance. Uh, really, I was very, very fortunate to have a, such uh, extraordinary mentors and tutors. Um, and I think what I'm, I'm doing here is trying to reach particular audiences to, to show them, okay, you might think this story is fantastic, but look at the results. Um, and the results are to simplify, live simply, create community wherever you are, and to live differently on the planet, make different kinds of decisions. Don't be trapped by the distraction technologies that uh, take us away into <laughs> the la-la land. So, you know, I'm trying to reach spiritual seekers, men and feminists, environmentalists, and especially the younger generation, Generation X and Y. I'm really trying to reach them and, and show them, okay, things are bad, they could get worse, but here's what you do. Mm -hmm. you, you're not helpless. There's one thing you control, and that's your mind. So let's move that mind in the direction of spiritual awakening. Then people will act think differently, including our leaders. And all of this journey has healed you, would you say, from very traumatic experiences in your childhood with sexual abuse? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I suffered from childhood sexual abuse, which I buried very deeply 
in my mind until I started doing shamanic training, and that unearthed it. And I had the tools from my shamanic mentor to deal with it, handle it, and transform it. Recently, you received recognition for another book that you've written called Failsafe. Tell us about this uh, medal that you were given. Oh, this this was a surprise, because this is a book I wrote a few years ago. It's called Failsafe, Saving the Earth from Ourselves. Um, and it received a silver medal in the environmental nature conservation category from the, uh, uh, what, was this? what was the awards? Living Now Awards. And they have a, it's a little bit like an Oscar lineup. And I'm just in this category. And I was very, very surprised to, to see that this book was um, getting some acknowledgement because it was written a number of years ago. So and I, was, I was very, very happy with that. But that kind of book, you know, I started to write differently after I had this connection. You because know, oh, I was an academic and an anthropologist, a professor of anthropology at Carleton University. So I wrote the usual kind of academic books. But after these experiences, I start to write differently. This book came out after I retired, the failsafe book. And these other books that I have written since, they have a different timbre, a different kind of message, and the, the writing is different. And I think this is, this is all due to, to the training and to, to my allowing myself to remember clearly and envelop what was happening and then go forward take the steps into spiritual awakening so you know I'm a Zen teacher in Ottawa so I, I pass a lot of this this stuff on to my meditation students the book but featured the, but the, sil the silver medal was a surprise that was my bonus yesterday well congratulations the, well thank you the book featured in this discussion Trailing Sky Six Feathers uh, you, already, you already have a screenplay written we could see it on the big screen well, the, the, um, there's, a, there's a screenwriter, uh, I think it had to be a woman, because she saw into what I was doing in a superb way, and she had to put it within a, within a cinematic vision of two hours. And what she did with it was brilliant. You know, you know they always say, the film is never as good as the book. Right. I think it'll be the other way around. The, the film will be much better than the book. Um, but we'll see what happens with it. Right. Well, that'll be wonderful. Trailing Sky, Six Feathers, One Man's Journey with His Muse. You also have a book trailer on YouTube. That's right. Yes. With the same name. Okay, very good. Well, and Trailing Sky, Six Feathers, just go to YouTube. What's the best way to get your book, Ian? Um, through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble, their websites, also on the Ex Libris website. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Ex Libris On Air. Well, thank you very much for having me. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station.
Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled, I Prescribe a Positive Vibe. And my author who joins me from Florida is Anthony G. Catalano. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you, Jay, and thank you for having us. This is a great-looking book. Uh, I would almost describe it as a book I would be happy to put on my coffee table if I had one and uh, share with people who come through. How would you describe what the content represents? What is this book about? This book contains various messages to deal with family, life, love, religion, hope, inspiration, motivation. I like to call it a mixed bag of good Good vibes for everyone that's out there. It's an easy read, but the messages are are direct, and uh, I I find it to be a tool for many people that struggle with certain things in life, Jay, that get a little uh, uplifted and uh, kind of pick up the pieces and, you know, let's get back in the race sort of effect. And you have a point of reference that dates back to the 80s when you had an industrial accident, which caused some health issues that you are are dealing with on a daily basis. And uh, some of that has inspired you to write this content, hasn't it? It absolutely has, Jay. Uh, for the first 24 years of my life, I was big, strong, strapping, construction type of guy. And for the last 28 and a half, almost 29 years, I've been a C4, C5 quadriplegic. So I've kind of been on both sides of the fence when life was easy and breezy, and now where life has its obstacles and it it takes a lot more work, so to say, in, in ways that people couldn't even fathom or understand unless you live the lifestyle. But my 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 theme to this whole thing is I see a lot of people that are walking up and around, and I probably was a victim of it myself, and, you know, complain about the trivials of life. Oh, it rained today. I couldn't get to the beach, or, oh, I had a day off, and they called me in. Thank God you're able to do other things if something kind of puts a blemish or changes things for you, because it's it's minimal. Uh, When you have life-altering change, that's when you really got to step up to the plate and, and, and grasp that. And, and I was at a crossroad when I got hurt today. Uh, it was either, you know, Anthony was a very competitive sports type of guy, uh, but, you know, this was the biggest competition of my life, saving my life. Uh, it was easy to, you know, boo-hoo, why me, and all that. And, you know, I was engaged at the time. Life was great. Everything was ahead of me at such a young age. And you never think something so catastrophic could happen in your life. Uh, and so and behold, on a fateful December 2nd, 1985, after lunch, we walked up to the construction site, had to get an air tank, normal procedure, went across a brace that should have had four bolts and only had one, 
And I went down subsequently three stories. Wow. And I laid there looking up at the sky, and I hear the guys above yelling, you know, man's down, this, that, and the other. I had no pain, and I'm looking up at the sky like, what do I do, break my arms and legs? Lo and behold, not a scratch, but C4, C5 spinal cord injury. Incredible. Share with my listeners some of the way you have approached this in your writing, because it is a positive book, has uh, beautiful photos in it, has uh, reminiscence of family, friends, and uh, of adventure in life. Share the first of the many uh, comments and many observations you've made. Well, it all starts back when, when after the accident and you, you, you're readjusting to something where it takes seven days a week. There's no really days off. There's really not a vacation because you're always confronted with the things that have changed. And the thing I reflect to a lot of times, Jay, picture yourself one day thinking and doing everything as you do, not a, not a qualm, not a, not a disturbance or of any sort, and you're doing everything just as a knee-jerk reaction. And then the next day, you're thinking the same way. You, you, you kind of feel the same, but your body doesn't react. You know, as simple as getting up to get a glass of water or go to the bathroom or answer the doorbell, it's just a far, far gone memory anymore. But these are the challenges that had to be addressed. Uh, there were times when I would be angry and upset but it, it was a normal process because, you know, we're all victims when things come and change whatever our walk in life is, um, whether it's minimal, monumental, it, it's a change. And some people just don't know how to adjust as these times come in all of our lives. I mean, when you're 20, you think one way. When you're 30, you think another. When you're 40 and so on. And life is a process. And you've got to adapt as you go along. You're not going to be the same individual mentally, physically, as you process through. So the art of success in living a life as we are as humans, you've got to be in tune with yourself. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know the limitations. You've got to know how far you can take things. And then it will all come together, and you've got to believe in you. Without having that rock inside of your own thoughts, nothing can happen. People can tell you that they understand, they know, and all. Unless you're living whatever your circumstances, people can't really understand it because we all have our own personalities. We all have our ways of adapting or not adapting. So it's a challenge every day, Jay, and I like to think that I out, outdid it in a big way. Uh, I'm a very happy, upbeat guy. I'm very motivated. I talk to a lot of people. And, you know, I've got friends from 40 years ago, Jay, that say, if anybody could have did this, it would have been you. Uh, you know, if there's a war. They still want me to be in the trenches with them. Yeah. And, and that, that says a lot to me, to the character that I was able to have as a young kid or a young man and still have this same demeanor through such a tragedy that, you know, it was life-altering. But it, it's okay. You know, it, instead of why me, it's why not me. Do you have so, a, a passage that you have uh, penned in your book that you could share with the audience to give them an idea of the way you approach life? I absolutely would love to, Jay. Uh, this one is a personal one to me, and on the page is a uh, picture of 
standing pillars of stone on like this little mountainside and it kind of shows it's kind of haggard but they're still there they're still standing strong and this is the the passage I wrote to it strength and power are your pillars every hour standing firm and tall through every storm pain or call giving it your all standing the test of time no matter how big or how small rains will drop I will never give in or stop this will keep you on top my pillars will last long my pillars are remain strong and to me right there that is the passage to give every individual the belief the faith and the understanding that no matter what change comes in your life or difficulty or loss because we're all going to be part of that equation you know we're all going to be part of loss change it's all how you ad ad adapt to it and move forward and still have the same focus the same desires the same happiness no matter what it is I'm not saying things are going to be easy but you've got to grab it that way or you're going to be depressed you're going to be down you're going to be distraught uh, and you know negativity brings negative things to your being and, and what surrounds you if you exude positive vibes and, and a great outlook you know people gravitate to that and it uplifts you if you're not on top of your game and you give room to kind of be blase or nonchalant about any matter that gives people around you that same door opening and before you know it it's a decay within yourself within your surroundings so you can't allow that or tolerate it and it's, it's an unhealthy way to approach things that's why I prescribe a positive vibe is the opposite to people's misfortunes or what things that were struggles that you, you can't let that tie you down. You and just can't. Another one of the questions that you have posed in your poetry, in your writing, has a beautiful sunset on the page. And the question that you begin in your poetry is, what amazes you? What don't you believe? What don't you understand? What dreams do you have? What is the love to you? What are you thankful for? I'm amazed by you. I can't believe I found you. I understand why I have dreams of you. I'm so in love with you. I'm so thankful. I have you. See what I see. I have you. You have me. Very positive words. Anthony, thank you for sharing in your book all of those wonderful reinforcements of, uh, of the positive aspects of life. How would you introduce your book in a couple of sentences to someone and get them interested? I offer this book as a tool and as a motivating piece for people to read as a reminder, as an uplifter, and to focus on the positive way to approach no matter what comes your way. It's, it's the way of living, it's a happier way, and it's a healthier way, Jay. You've done it in 74 pages. Your book is, uh, I think, a little bit unique, not only from your perspective and the way that you have approached it, but do you feel anything about your book is different from what's in the marketplace? Yes, I do. I think uh, I'm pretty broad stream on subject matter. It's not just about one subject or one kind of uh, question or, or idea. It, it kind of touches on elements of everything that we all share in life, which is real to every one of us. Happiness, love, 
family, uh, being happy. Uh, so I think this covers in little bit pieces along the way, and every page is a different excerpt and picture. So it's not like a constant theme of this, that, or the other. It's like a, a mixed bag and like, what's on the next page? I mean, what's the next message? And I find a lot of readers like that, and uh, I get a lot of great response from that, Jay, that it is unique in that matter, and they kind of, uh, you know, not every message is for everybody, but they're all messages for everybody. And again, I would describe it as a book that could be very comfortable on your coffee table to share with anyone that's a visitor in your home or just when you need a pickup. Uh, again, the, the, the cover is, is uh, the title is I Prescribe a Positive Vibe, which again indicates the content. Were there challenges in getting this done, Anthony? There were a big challenge, Jay, and I would like to share that with you. And this is how it really all started. When I was, uh, let's say, my tires, which are my uh, my buttocks at the time, were wearing thin after so many years of sitting, I had to have a surgery. And it kept me in bed eight months out of a, out of a year. Wow. And I had a lot of friends. Yeah, and let me tell you, you know, you do everything from bed, and I do mean everything. And I had friends that were close to me say, Tony, why don't you get on Facebook at least connect, you can interact and things like that. And I said, eh, it's really not my thing, but I got on there, I connected with old friends, and it kind of helped the time. And then just out of nowhere, Jay, I started writing these little phrases. And I had such response from the, the readers, friends and, and people that I didn't even know. And they, and they told me, I hope you're writing these things down because you write beautifully. I love the way you convey your messages. And little by whole, I say, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I actually typed from bedside and wrote all these down, typing with the left side of my pinky when I was able to face a certain way in bed at the time. Hmm. And that's how this first book came to fruition, Jay. And, and since the first book, we've gotten two more out there. And we're prompt to do another one, hopefully be done by the end of the year. Exceptional. This one is titled, I Prescribe a Positive Vibe, my author and visitor from Florida, Anthony G. Catalano. Sir, where can my listeners get copies of your book and connect with you? I would, I'd love to see the, the, the listeners come out to Facebook and find me on the site. is Power of Positive Thinking is the Way to Being Happier in Life. I still write messages daily there. Uh, I've got a very nice following of almost 3,000 wow. on that one site, and I've got my regular Facebook site on the Tony Catalano. That's got a few thousand folks following us there. Uh, the books can be obtained on Amazon.com, uh, Borders.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And if the listeners ever reached out to the websites, they can email me, and I will personalize copies and uh, I will say this, uh, they'll get a better bang for their buck if they went direct through me, but if they go through the other sites, I'm just as thankful. Uh, and the website, of course, they can find us on exlibris.com. Uh, Fabulous. And Catalano spelled C-A-T-A-L-A-N-O. Let's see, did I spell that right? C-A-T-A-L-A-N-O. Yes. Thank you, Anthony, Tony, for joining me today and sharing your story. This is a great book and an inspiration. Thank you for sharing it with us today. Thank you so much, Jay. Honored. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages.
Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Infinity, Divinity, and the Holy Trinity. And the author is William Hearn, and William joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, William. Hello, how are you? Great to have you with us. Uh, You've got some, uh, well, challenging a lot of the... The thoughts of uh, regular Christianity, you've taken uh, your own point of view on, on some of these thinking about the existence and essence of God. You also have a unique and or original description of the Holy Trinity or in your uh, look at heaven and hell, reasons for the degradation of society, and then the nature of hell. So we're going to talk uh, about a few of those in our time together. Before we get into that, William, tell us a little bit about your background and how this book came about. Well, again, I have quite an academic background and uh, uh, studying in many different places, uh, mostly, again, uh, taking the advantage of um, of when I was younger, uh, always being interested in learning uh, about the world and what was going on. Um, as far as uh, you know, the book itself, I sort of feel like maybe it was a divine inter- intervention. As far as uh, the timing of when it was uh, written and published, uh, again, the longer you live, I guess, the more you accumulate your ideas. And finally, I had a, enough in my mind to uh, actually get down and write what I've been thinking about for for perhaps entire, my entire life. Uh, again, bits and pieces of this, I. Uh, had thought about since um, you know childhood, and it's been developing ever since, uh, bit by bit, uh, much of what I talk about. But I, you know, as a child, again, my education, uh, many people learn to uh, study and they compartmentalize everything that they learn. Uh, I was a rather different kind of child. I had to incorporate everything I learned with everything I already knew, and that was a lot harder to do. And consequently, some people might have thought I was a slow learner, and <laughs> that's why I had uh, many years of studying, because I was still trying to incorporate all that I knew uh, or what I was learning into what I already knew. And uh, so it's kind of a unique way of perceiving things, and I think that uh, lends to the fact that I have a unique perception of um, God and the Holy Trinity and how 
both of those beliefs can be integrated into uh, a complete understanding of who God is. So describe how we know God exists. Well, again, uh, in the beginning of the book, I I think it's kind of inherent um, in what we in what we uh, perceive. Again, um, modern scientific method uh, lends to that, where we uh, we make observations and we can draw conclusions from observations. Um, again, we also have reason. You know, we can analyze something and see that, uh, use logic to determine that uh, two contradictory beliefs cannot be uh, possible. Uh, you have to uh, determine or make a decision, maybe again a leap of faith, as to which one you believe. But you cannot believe that God exists and God doesn't exist at the same time. And yet some people want to um, approach things that way. Uh, that cannot be. Uh, again, I come, came to the conclusion that God had to exist because a self-created universe does not make sense. Uh, it, uh, every rule of uh, science dictates that everything has a cause and an effect, and that cause cannot create itself. So therefore, God had to be outside of creation. And most Christians and most theists uh, can understand that, that God is not of this world. He created this world. Uh, however, I extend it further, again, in uh, the last chapter of the book on the Holy Trinity, how God does enter this world as both the Holy Spirit and as uh, uh, the Godhead man, Jesus Christ. So um, that's part of the explanation of uh, the Holy Trinity, is that there are three different domains. Uh, there is the physical domain, which we live in, and so cannot understand anything beyond it. There's a spiritual domain where the Holy Spirit resides, and then there is, uh, again, what I call the Holy, Holy Other, which is a domain of God himself. And I come to the conclusion that that is the way that God can exist and make sense by his revelations in the Bible and in other sources uh, that God is in those three d domains as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, how... so that is how I know that God exists and, in fact, is the Holy Trinity. Isn't it the view of most Christians with the Holy Trinity that they're three in one, three persons in one? Uh, most Christian faiths uh, believe that. Uh, in fact, uh, the Christian faiths themselves would claim that that is uh, a requirement. However, there are some uh, churches that profess to be Christian that argue against the, the Holy Trinity, namely the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, and um, uh, there's a couple others there. But those are the maybe the two main ones uh, that uh, have a different uh, concept than the Holy Trinity. 
the other main Christian faiths uh, profess to, to believe in the Holy Trinity. What their concept of the Holy Trinity uh, seems to be what well, basically an individual uh, perception. There is no definitive, definitive explanation of the Holy Trinity. Some people have tried to explain it. Uh, you know, again, most would say those explanations fall short of really explaining what the Holy Trinity is. I don't want to be a critic of anybody. Um, rather, I would just try to defend my own belief. But I have seen very little in the sense of uh, really trying to explain the Holy Trinity other than in theological terms, but in more philosophical, actual uh, terms that incorporate what we know of the world today, if you understand what I'm trying to say. So you see the Holy Trinity not like most Christians see the Holy Trinity. Well, I, I don't want to say that. I just want to say I maybe I perceive it as more than just what other people people believe. Again, other people tend to segment it where, you know, the Father is the Creator, we know that, and Jesus is the Son of God who came to redeem us, we know that, and the Holy Spirit, um, well, again, the teaching uh, is that He's the giver of life, and He sanctifies us, Um, and those are, that's the terminology that's basically used. However, nobody tries to define it more um, definitive than that, speaking in vague terms about the different roles of what the Trinity do, and uh, again, define them as three persons. But I try to explain, you know, again, the different domains in which God exists, and how we can know uh, that there are those three domains, and that um, how uh, God interacts with us and has a relationship uh, with us uh, by coming into not only the spiritual domain but our earthly domain as our Redeemer. And God has done that. He has done uh, many amazing things and again people consider it miraculous and mysterical. Uh, But it's uh, again, reasonable to understand God, and God wants us to understand Him, if we're willing to think about who God is and uh, what our relationship with Him should be. Now, what about heaven and hell? Uh, You talk about our decision regarding heaven and hell. Uh, Help us better understand. Yeah, I think that might be a unique perspective as well. Um, Again, I don't know that people would disagree with me on that, but they just, they haven't looked at it in the same light. But we can see from reason that, in fact, we do make the decision of whether we want to go to heaven or hell. Uh, Again, when people say, oh, well, of course I want to go to heaven, but the thing is, if they haven't defined heaven, they don't know what heaven is, uh, is is talk without uh, substance. First, you have to know what heaven is before you can know if you want to go, uh, and you have to study and understand uh, what you're talking about uh, when you say these things. But uh, if we understand what heaven is and if we understand what hell is, 
and we understand what our relationship to God is, uh, then we would be able to know uh, that we want to spend our entire life with God, or we don't want to spend our entire life with God. And then if we want to spend our entire life with God, then we have to do those things that require that. And um, what, for, quite frankly, it's very little that God requires of us. Basically, we have to accept God himself and say that he is our uh, saver, redeemer, and creator. Uh, and uh, those that do that will find heaven. But there are many people that say, well, I'm willing to say that, but do they really mean that? Because, again, heaven is a place where we all share uh, ourselves with God. It's, you know, God could have created a world where we're all individually put in separate boxes, but he didn't do that. On earth, we are with many other people, and their actions affect us in ways that we might be happy and in ways we might not be happy. Uh, and we have to live and learn and, and, and deal with those situations. Well, heaven and hell are similar situations. We're not going to be pegged in one little box by yourself with God. We're going to be a community or a church with God. Now, if we want to be in that church with God and uh have a relationship not only with God but everybody else who's in heaven, then we'll be able to and willing to choose heaven. But uh, you know, if we can't forgive all those people, then it makes it a little bit difficult <laughs> to share heaven, which uh, again is a place where there's no conflict. If we if we choose to fight everybody every day, uh, then we're going to have a hard time dealing with heaven. And I think that those people have to finally make that decision <clears throat> that they're going to live that kind of life with God and not choose self-interest over uh, the interests of others. Uh, it would become very difficult for them to uh, maintain themselves. However, in hell, it's a different situation because it is where vain and conceited and self-absorbed uh, people will be. for That's the reason we, we can't accept God, because we think that we should be on top of everybody, the best of everything, and uh, we cannot subjugate ourselves to uh, the will of God. And consequently, those people in hell are likely, well, I would say likely, I would say most definitely, are all trying to be the number one person in hell. You if you're the number one person in hell, again, you're going to have conflict with everybody else there because they want the same thing for themselves. Even the devil will find that everybody uh, wants to be number one and not listen to the devil himself so that uh, nobody is going to be happy because nobody is going to be number one in hell. Uh, they'd be constantly fighting and bickering and complaining, and, of course, uh, hell has been described as a fire, uh, if everybody's angry and at war and fuming and fighting, that's a typical definition of what a fire is. Sounds like so, hell. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I agree. If you understand what I'm saying. Sure. You can get uh, imagery there. Understand. So, um, so that's, what, that's my perception of what it will be. Again, hell is a spiritual place. It's not a 
a physical place where you're going to see, uh, you know, fireballs, you know, uh, and explosions in a war zone. It's a different kind of war. But you're going to feel the same fire and heat and, and anger and hostility uh, if you if you want to live there. Uh, and only, I think, conceited, vain, and um, evil people would, would choose that route. We've been listening to William Hearn. He's the author of his book, Infinity, Divinity, and the Holy Trinity. William, what's the best way to get your book? Uh, well, the best way, I guess, would be Ex Libris. They, they're the publishers, and uh, they do often uh, sell the book at a reasonable uh, price, uh, depending on, uh, on what kind of offers they have at the time. Uh, of course, Amazon is easy to uh, get a book, look, you know, from Amazon, and many of the other online publishers. Um, there's quite a few there. So, um, again, uh, depending what people's preferences are, and uh, if they have accounts already with Amazon or uh, some other online uh, uh, vendor, then they can, uh, you know, choose that route to get one. Well, thank you so much, William, for joining us on Ex Libris On Air. All right, you're welcome. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.